The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Joanne Kraft of Grace and Truth Living led a track called Women and Disciple Making. Joanne Kraft has put together a nifty PDF download of 42 scriptures that are great for memorizing and for discipleship in general. And it's available for free through discipleship.org. Now, these scripture passages are a great way for you and someone you disciple to memorize scripture together. It has a beautiful design. And what's great is that you can print it off from anywhere you are in the world. This PDF is available for download through discipleship.org slash grace and truth. That's one word. So go online and download their free PDF at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. Now here's the track session from Grace and Truth Living. This morning I am both excited and a little bit frustrated. I'm excited because discipleship is my very, very, very favorite subject. It's why I get up in the mornings. To be a disciple of Jesus, to have him transforming me every day is amazing. And to help another person do that, it's like a front row seat to a miracle. I get so excited, I can hardly stand it when I watch a person go from what the world, the flesh, and the devil has done to them to becoming the person Jesus made them to be. You get to watch, front row. It's amazing. So I'm excited. As my niece used to say when she was a toddler, she'd say, I'm so exciting. <laughs> and so today, I'm so exciting, and I, I hope you are too. And then I'm a little bit frustrated because... I have a whole book's worth and a whole lifetime's worth of things I want to chat with you about over coffee. And one hour ain't going to do it for me, you know. I'm, but I'm going to share with you um, something I really feel is the most important thing to share with you today. But there's so much more. I'd love to talk to you about boundaries in discipleship and how to know if somebody's mentor ready or not. Those are all very important things. But today we're going to talk very specifically about how do you turn a good conversation into a God conversation. And there's some men here, um, I, wow, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, it kind of broadens that, it gives us a wider range of things to talk about when the men and the women are here. So a lot of us, most of us, especially us women, we love to have conversation. That's just, you know, I, I have this favorite expression is I, I speak, therefore I am. That is my, my rule of life. I just, I was born loving to talk. I'm a born talker. And so, um, Coffee with a younger believer is a natural fit for a lot of people. But how do you take that good conversation that's fun and enjoyable, how do you turn it into a God conversation that's life-changing, life-giving, that you'll never forget? And so we're going to talk about that today. But first let's talk about why in the world are God conversations so important anyway? Um, first reason is because this conference, the theme is relationships. And what is most central to a relationship? If you don't have a conversation, you don't really have much of a relationship with somebody. I mean, you can nod and smile. I mean, that can happen. But conversation is central. The other reason that God conversations are so important is if you can really master how to do a God conversation, you can do discipleship. So I know there's probably at least one or two, maybe just one or two people here who are going, this is all great. But there's a little part of me going, oh, gosh, I'm scared. I'm not sure how to do this. What if it goes wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? What if she asks me a hard question? What if she's really high maintenance? You know, whatever. But if you can learn to have God conversations, it becomes part of your DNA. Then you're pretty much doing discipleship, the beginning stages. Because God conversations plus obedience plus follow-up, which is like accountability. If those three things are together, you have discipleship. I'm going to move so I can see that. Great. So discipleship and God conversations are a command. They're not an option. So it's something worth learning how to do. Before we talk about, I'm going to give you some seven principles that you can use called back pocket basics. Basically, we'll talk about those in a minute. First, let's talk about why don't we? Why do we sometimes not have a God conversation? Maybe you're talking to somebody and you sense the Holy Spirit nudging you and you go, I don't know how to start. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And I'm afraid if I jump off the cliff, I'm not sure how I land. So why don't we? So this is why we don't have God conversations and why we don't disciple when we maybe want to. First of is, first thing is, I don't have time. 
How many of you feel like if you put one more thing in your schedule, you might just explode? Any, only that few? Wow. Well, the rest of you, please talk to me after. Explain to me how you're doing that because I don't understand that. So a lot of people don't have time. But one thing that I'd like to share with you about that is if it's a command, if Jesus said, go, make disciples, teach them what I've commanded you, teach them to practice this, then maybe it's time to make room in that schedule for making disciples. Maybe there's something you need to get rid of. Maybe there's something, and this is really cool, maybe there's something in your schedule you've been dying to get rid of, but you don't have a good excuse. You know, you're going, oh man, I hate that. Every time it comes up, I hate that, I hate that. Now you can say, I'm so sorry, I have a prior commitment. And you do, because God is your prior commitment. Or maybe you really can't clear your schedule. Maybe you're in a season of life where your kids are in 37 activities and you're, you know, your work is hard and everything else. You have no way to clear your schedule. Then could you look at your schedule and find a way to, as you go, invest in somebody? Come on in. Um, so, for example, maybe you work a 9-to-5 job and you're saying, I have kids, I have a job, there's no way I cram one more thing. I can't shoehorn one more thing into my schedule. But is there somebody at work that you can tell is spiritually thirsty and you say, hey, once a week, can we have lunch? Or, hey, you live right by me, why don't we carpool? And you just chat. They might not even know that you're investing them to start with. Or maybe you say, hey, at break time, let's just spend some time together, I'd love to do that. See, what you could do it as you're going. Or maybe you take your kids to the same park every week and you've noticed this other woman also does. And so you make an intentional plan. Let's just talk about Jesus while our kids are playing. And then by the time they're done playing, she'll be a better mom and so will you. <laughs> that, that could work. So um, another reason that we don't do that is we say, and I think this is the biggest one, frankly, what if I get in over my head? What if I get into a conversation that I can't get out of? And um, one of my favorite quotes is about Patrick Henry, who was a great orator and speaker. And it was said of him that he would throw himself into a conversation at the beginning of the sentence, trusting in God Almighty to get him out at the end. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. You're like, I have no idea how this ends. It's terrifying. But what I have found is that if you realize that God will give you courage, trust that He will stretch you and He will provide. And He, as you get equipped, you're getting equipped now, is not the end of the world. Let's say you bake a cake for the first time and it falls flat. Do you die after that? No. Next time you try it again, you, you figure out what you did wrong. It's the same with God conversation. You're not going to kill somebody by having a slightly sucky God conversation, if I may say. <laughs> you know, like nobody dies, usually. So you just kind of, you can always say, I'm sorry, I really, I, I didn't understand what I was talking about, you know. Or let's learn that together, or whatever. But it's not the end of the world. The fourth reason I think people don't have God conversations or disciple is they're saying, Deep down what they're saying is, I'm still waiting for someone else to invest in me. I feel like the little waif waiting for someone to notice them, waiting for someone to say, you're important enough to invest in. And I know for many years I had nobody to invest in me. And I actually started discipling before I had had someone to invest in me. And it was a hard decision in a way. but. God has been so faithful. He's brought people after the fact. I've had maybe five or six disciples since then. I'd had nobody before then. I honestly think that, come on in. Come on in. I honestly think that part of it was once I started discipling people, I think there were women who went, wow, she's a car in motion. I'd like to invest in that, that venture. Before, they didn't notice that I needed investing in. And so, um, some of us are feeling that way, like, you know, I feel like if I start discipling somebody else, nobody will ever disciple me. Nobody will ever love me in that way. It's like giving up, you know, it can feel like that. But I promise you, every single one of you, if you feel that way, God has not forgotten you. He has not. I don't know how he's going to do it in your life. Some of us will never have an official discipler. Some of us will have one in seasons. Some of us will have somebody that's there the whole time. But Jesus is your discipler. He's never forgotten you. And if you think about it, if our culture has forgotten how to disciple, for the most part, and we're trying to learn to pick up the ball, doesn't it make sense somebody has to go first? Doesn't it make sense somebody has to go, I didn't get it, 
but I'm getting it from Jesus and I'm going to give what I do have. I tell you that much. And then it creates sort of a vacuum behind you where there's room for God to give you more. So don't let that be a deterrent to you. Then the fifth reason I believe some people don't make disciples or have golf conversations is, and I don't think it's anybody here, but just in case, maybe a friend of yours, not you, <laughs> is, I'm sorry, but I just can't want to. And we had a little kid in our family, he used to always say, I can't want to. You know, it's like sometimes you could do it, but you couldn't want to, you know. And I have good news for you, if that's you. It's okay. It's a command. You don't have to want to. <laughs> it ain't a requirement to want to. And the beauty is, my husband has this thing he says to me a lot, because I tend to get overwhelmed with too many details and stuck. And I'll be like, oh, I can't move forward. I can't move forward. And he'll say, honey, the grace comes in the doing. The grace comes in the doing. Oftentimes, if you take that step of obedience forward, you be, might be surprised how much want to joins you in the journey. So those are some of the reasons we don't. And I, I wanted to mention those because if you don't address that, like most of you are here because you want to, right? And most of you are here because you've decided to not let those things hold you back anymore. But what if you're here and four-fifths of you is really excited about this and one-fifth of you is like, Ugh, I don't know. You know, I encourage you, whichever one of those applies to you, deal with it. Take it to Jesus. Talk to him out loud about it until it's not there anymore. Because if that part is, it's like having your brakes dragging, you know, and you're going, well, sort of. You don't want to sort of disciple people. It's an all-in venture. So I encourage you, pray about the one and practice the one that is hard for you. Okay, now we are getting to the part, so excited to tell you about this. Okay, we're going to talk about how do you have a conversation that's good, and allow God to inhabit that conversation and turn it to great, turn it to a God conversation. So I call these back pocket basics because I believe that um, what I'm about to share are discipleship tools God's already given every one of you, every believer. He's placed them in your back pocket. You just might not know it yet. So you might think, my friends used to say to me, because I'm so, you know, ridiculously enthusiastic about this, they go, that is so great for you. <laughs> but I can never do that because of this and that and the other thing. But you can. You don't have to have my personality or Joanne's personality or TC's personality. You have your personality and it equips you in a way. You can reach people that wouldn't listen to me for nothing. So, they're in your back pocket, but you may have to take them out, dust them off, and practice them. Also, I encourage you, think about it, you probably use five of these seven every day with your kids, with your husband, with your girlfriends. You just don't realize their discipleship skills. So the first one, well, here's the overview. It has a little acronym. It's kind of silly. GAL map. It's basically your map for discipling women. If you're a guy, I do apologize. It's a guy map, sort of. <laughs> it, the same skills, I just don't have a great acronym for you guys. So, um, so bear with us. So um, it's G-A-L-M-A-P. The G is give them Jesus. And we'll talk in detail about each of these. The second one is authenticity. That is a relational skill that you can, everybody can use. L has two because they're real important. L is listening. Listening is something very few of us get. And when we get it, we're like a flower and we grow. Learnability. Okay, yeah, I made this one up, I admit. But learnability, we'll talk more about that. Um, having the humility to have learnability. M is for modeling. And this is not runway modeling. It is just living what you say. Um, a, accountability, your second A. That is a scary word that means friendly follow-up. You're just checking in. Um, and P for prayer. And I would, I would venture to say persistent prayer because, you, you know, one prayer ain't going to do it. You need to, why am I saying a lot of ain'ts? I don't know. I'm from Texas, so it's coming out. I'm tired, and that's what happens. Okay, so we're going to go through these one by one. So first one, give them Jesus. Oh, I also wanted to tell you, Feel free to take notes. You don't have a handout, you might have noticed. It's because I made this beautiful handout. At least I thought it was kind of pretty. And I gave it to someone to do a test run. And they, at the end they said, 
they did it with the slides. And they said, love the handout, love the slides, but you put them together, I'm overwhelmed. Too much information. So um, what I'm going to do is, if you sign up on the email list, then you will get these slides and you will get the handout as a reminder at the end. So if you didn't sign up, you can get it back and, <laughs> you know. So, so I want you to just relax like we're having coffee, you know. Um, we're, you're going to get to talk back in a little while. So just relax and for this session you don't have to take notes. Just know you'll have all this if you need it. Um, so give them Jesus because he really is the answer to every question. Now, one time I heard this story about this little boy in Sunday school, and the teacher was asking them what the answer was to some question, and nobody had the answer, nobody, nobody, nobody. So finally he raised his hand, and he goes, well, it sounds fuzzy and furry and, and kind of running around like a squirrel, but I guess it's, it's got to be Jesus, right? <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, you don't have to say it, though, in that kind of preachy Christianity. You don't, you know, whatever they say, you don't go, Jesus, Jesus, you know, but you give them who he is. If you, if you operate in the fruit of the Spirit, you're giving them Jesus. Aww. Hi there, sweetheart. Hi there. So, um, if you love the person in front of you, you're giving them Jesus. If you speak truth to them in a tough moment, even if it's not fun for them, you're giving them Jesus. And you can also speak to them about Jesus. But if anything ever goes awry, you need to just remember, give them Jesus. That's your job. So if you don't do anything else, you've done your job. And when I first started discipling people, I sort of stumbled into it you know, stumbled, like thought God was totally guiding the process, but I didn't know it. And when I first stumbled into it, I started thinking about, wait a minute, this person is a Christian. This person is a follower of Jesus. So he's already their discipler. And he's probably got one or two things he's already working on. So who am I to come in and go, Jesus, let me tell you what your disciple needs to learn. You know, I realized I probably, we probably ought to listen to him and say, Lord, what are you speaking to her? What are you, what are, in her spiritual foundation, what are the holes? Do you want her to just go beginning to end because she's a baby believer? Or has she got a lot of it filled in? But there are these areas that if those don't get filled in, she's not moving forward. And so I began to just say, hey, let's pray to Jesus and ask him, Lord, what are you highlighting in her life? How do we cooperate? How do we catch a wave of the Spirit together, you and I? So basically, she's cooperating with Jesus. And I'm cooperating with her, cooperating with Jesus. And when I started doing that, oh my, it's like the growth, it's like putting miracle grow on your, on your garden. It's completely different. So once you realize that, it takes so much pressure off of you to have all the answers. Yes, you should study your Bible, have godly answers, but he's the trainer. You're just the spotter. Now, if you were going to a gym and you had never studied to be a coach or trainer, wouldn't you feel relieved if you walked in and they, what if you walked in and they said, okay, TC, today you're the trainer. And you'd be like, ah, you know. But if, if they said, you know, TC, I just need you to be the spotter. I just need you to stand there and make sure, you know, that she does her form right and she doesn't fall. That's your job. It's not like you don't, you're not the answer man. You're just the spotter. Um, I thought this occurred to me a few years ago and it's been such a freeing thing. We're, up, we're adding the relational enzyme of discipleship. Jesus could disciple them without you. There have been people discipled without a human person with skin on. Jesus was skin on person. But it works so well to have a human being there. So I encourage you, be the enzyme, not the solution. If you, if you put the pressure on yourself to be their entire solution, you will end up with adrenal fatigue. <laughs> but if you say, I'm the enzyme, Jesus is the solution, I just show up and do my part, and then I let him do his part. It, it's not hard. It's easy. You know, just like any of life is easy. So, also, the best God conversations are with God himself. I know that seems so duh, George. But I think sometimes we, we think, I have to have a conversation with somebody about God for him. No, you don't. <laughs> you need to invite him into the conversations you are currently having. So, but you need to talk to him first. So, like, if you know you are going to see this friend of yours, you always see her at this event every time. 
Well, then talk to God about her before you go and say, you know, I'm going to see Judy today. You know, she's struggling with this and that. Lord, please be in the middle of that because I don't really know what to say about that, but I want to be there for her. And then when you're there, just, Lord, be with us. That conversation will be different than if you had just showed up and went, here we go. I don't know what to say. Um, so embrace that habit. Invite him into every conversation you have and practice with your family. Practice with your annoying friend. <laughs> practice with anybody. And, you know, practice with your children, like you said yesterday, who aren't being that good of a disciple right now. <laughs> practice. And you will find that and then when you need that, you, you have it. Jesus said, um, We're two, when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. I count on that when I meet with somebody I'm discipling. There are days and I'm like, Lord, I have zip zero nada to give her. In fact, I'm in the, I'm in the red, <laughs> you know, and I hit my knees and just say, Lord, you've got it. I do not have it. I have never come away from one discipleship meeting, even when I was going through horrible stuff where I said, oops, he didn't show up today. He never didn't show up. He'll show up for you. Even if it's a hard conversation, he shows up. Okay, now the le that's the one that's going to take us the longest. Is these we're going to zip through a little faster. Authenticity is just a fancy way of saying, please be yourself. Please don't try to be somebody else. You know, you might listen to some of the people here and go, oh, I, like you said yesterday, I loved that Amazing Grace analogy and the Tim Hawkins thing. Because we do, we look at it and go, oh, I need to be like that. No, I need to be like that. And pretty soon what happens is you turn yourself into a replica of somebody else that is a knockoff when you're the original of who God made you to be. And the people that you were designed to reach don't get reached. And they're like looking for the person who's you. <laughs> and you're not being you. So just be you filled with Jesus. What could be simpler? And it's if you are a unique, never-to-be-repeated creation of God, then when you do that, it's a miraculous thing to start with. So just be you filled with Jesus. <laughs> Listening. I call it giving the gift of paying attention. I could almost start crying thinking about this because do you know how many women I've talked to over the last dozen years? And all they needed was someone to listen. Nobody listens anymore. We're all online talking. Hey, listen, look at me, listen to me, look what I had for dinner. <laughs> and they're not, we're not listening to people. And people have dignity. They deserve to be heard. And when you do that, the, if you invest in a young woman or a young man, and you genuinely listen with your eyes, with your heart, and you allow um, the Lord to listen through you, when you do that, that might be the only time that person has ever experienced that. You know, even like their parents. Sometimes parents are always telling you, you know, they get lost in the weeds and they're like telling you what to do. You know, whereas sometimes a young adult just needs someone to go, tell me what you think about the world and tell me what you think God is showing you and let's just, let's, let's test it against scripture. And they just need to hear how it says it sounds coming out of their mouth. And when you just reflect it back, they go, they're usually self-correcting. They usually go, well, that's kind of stupid, isn't it? That doesn't make any sense at all. Or, oh, you know what I actually think the Lord is saying is this. So listening is humongous. And also, listening is not just being quiet. It's also asking questions. <coughs> so we're going to practice. That's the one we're going to practice later at the end. Listening is a, it's an active process. So you, like, let's say, I say, Joni, how are you doing today? Say whatever you want to say to that. I have coffee. How are you feeling okay. today? <laughs> she has coffee. Okay. Does that mean, and so I could just take that and go, oh, okay, fine. Or I could say, oh, are you feeling tired? I was. No, anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> good, good. And then I might say, well, how's the conference been for you so far? It's been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Has anything been hard? Yes, technology. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Technology's been a bummer. Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I wish, I wish you could just snap your finger. I, I hope in heaven the technology's better. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's your high point so far? The people. I love mm -hmm. the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've met some really neat people too. Mm -hmm. See, that is a conversation. That is not just how you doing. Fine. <laughs> how you doing? Eh. You know and. 
that's listening. Because when you ask a follow-up question, it's like saying, I want to know more. I'm not bored with you. <laughs> you know, I care about how you really feel. I'm not just wanting you to give me a pat answer. It's, it's, it's signing value to this interaction. Okay, um, in the listening process, I encourage you to use your senses sensibly and in the order here. <laughs> so look, listen, and then talk. If you just start jabbering, telling them everything you know about God, you're going to lose them. You are absolutely going to lose them. But if you start out, you go, let me look at her body language. Now, she's clutching her coffee. I'm like, that coffee's pretty darn important to her. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Or maybe somebody looks tired, or maybe they look disheveled, or maybe they look fantastic, and you're going, what is going on? Something's good. So pay attention to how they look, what their body language is, and then listen. Listen to their tone of voice. Listen to the repeated words. You know, sometimes somebody will go, you know, I just, you know, I just, and I just, and I just, and I just, and you're going, do you feel like you're just barely enough? Or you, what is the just thing? And you can hear their tone of voice. It just tells you something about what's going on. It at least gives you a question to ask. You sound tired, you, you know, what's going on? Um, and then talk, because see, then you have earned the right to talk. You haven't really earned the right to be heard up to that point. Why should they care <laughs> what you have to say? You don't even care about them, right? Um, because love paves the way to truth. They go together. Truth and love are, are a set together. You put them together, they're powerful. But if you just hammer somebody with truth, or you just love them so much you could never contradict them, that doesn't work. When you have truth and love together, it's amazing. And love really paves the way. People don't really care what you know. I'm sure you may have heard this before, until they know that you care. They're like, you know, yeah, whatever. I don't really, I'm not excited that you got a PhD and you know all that stuff. I need someone who cares about my life. I need someone who understands. Why should they hear what you say until they know you understand their problem? Don't you hate it when you're telling someone your problem and halfway through they start giving you an answer and you're going, Dude, I have not even, you don't even know the half of this problem. That ain't going to work for me, and here's why, X, Y, Z. But if they've listened to the whole thing, and then they go, well, you know, have you tried? You're like E.F. Hutton. <laughs> they want to hear what you have to say because you heard what they had to say. Our second L is, learn. anybody tired? Let's just take a, <sighs> I'm a little tired. Let's pause. Okay, needed that. So learnability. It means if you don't know the answer, it ain't the end of the world, y'all. You will not die. Learn it together. And you may think, but then it makes me look like not that good of a discipler because I didn't know the answer about transubstantiation and the Trinity <laughs> and predestination. You know, that's the big three of, oh my gosh, don't ask me that. But what you are modeling and you don't realize, you're showing humility. Don't you want them to have humility? You're showing teachability. Don't you want them to be teachable? You don't want to come in and go, I know it, I don't know it all, but I, I kind of do, you know? <laughs> you want to come in and say, I'm a learner at Jesus' feet, and that is the only thing I want you to copy about me. I don't want little Kims running around with all my faults. <laughs> I want people who follow Jesus, and I'm doing my best to model following Jesus. So learnability. It's actually pretty fun. You, I mean, what can't you research on the internet now? Where can't you find a Bible study for this or that? So you just say, hey, why don't this week you research that and I'll research that and we'll come together and compare notes next week. That's always a fun thing to do and you think, but what if we don't find the answer? Come on. Is the Holy Spirit there or not? He will teach you. Even if two or three weeks in a row you go, we still don't know the answer, then, you know, Refer out. Find somebody who knows the answer. Invite them in. I believe you mentioned that yesterday. Um, you don't have to do everything. You're like the primary care physician in their spiritual life. You can refer them out to specialists. That's okay. There's no shame in that, but you're their only primary care physician, and they need you. And it's not a, not a downgrading of your role in their life that you might need to send them to a specialist at times. You cannot model perfection. All you can model is growth, but that is everything. Neil Anderson, is a, is, he's written tons of books on spiritual warfare and growth, and that's one of my favorite things that he said. 
Okay, the M of your gal map is, um, of your guys, guys and gals map, <laughs> is modeling. Pretty much this is practice what you preach, do what you say, do it to the best of your ability, because much more is caught than taught. Um, and you know, how many of your parents? How many of you have told your children to do X and they do Y? And you keep going, why do you do Y? I have told you X numerous times. And sometimes they go, well, you do Y. And you go, I don't want to know why now. <laughs> so it's the same way with discipleship. So she's looking, he's looking, they're watching. They're watching how you love your husband or your wife. They're watching how you treat your children. They're watching how you act when you have a terrible day. They're watching, do you turn to Jesus or do you just tough it out? They're watching. And I've had people say to me sometimes things that they saw in my life. I wasn't trying to teach them anything. It's often, like one time a girl I was meeting with said, you know what I really want to emulate is the way you, your dependence on Jesus. And I was like, really? You see that? That's so cool. I felt like at that season of my life, it was my weakness. Because I was dependent on Jesus because I felt weak. You know, and so I was telling her that. Like, I'm just casting myself on Jesus. She saw that as a strength and she wanted to go do it. Oftentimes, when I am doing my best to just be a disciple, that's my best lesson. Less talking, just more being and doing. Um, and if you think she's not looking, he's not looking, they are. They are. Because I really believe that millennials in this generation especially are, they're looking to see, is there anybody real out there? Is there anybody? Is it possible? to live a biblically authentic life in this generation? Are you kidding me? Because I'm totally countercultural. I don't fit with the way the world's going. I feel like a fish out of water. Is it really possible? And they're looking at your life to see is it possible. Uh, a discipleship rule of thumb for you is it takes one to make one. If you ain't one, you can't make one. So if you're gonna go and I'm not making disciples, I'm not making disciples, do a, do a heart check. Am I? A, a learner at Jesus' feet. Do I ask him to teach me each day? Do we go through trial and error together? Is it practical and real between me and Jesus? If it is, then you can make disciples. If you can't, how could you do that? It's like, oh, I want to teach you to be a gymnast. Not that I've ever been on the balance beam. You know, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So the only way to help someone become an apprentice of Jesus is to be one yourself. Okay, our second A in gal map is accountability. How many of you feel kind of eh when you hear the word eh? Yeah. How many of you ever had a bad experience with accountability? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know, it sounds a little scary. It sounds a little awful. It's really just friendly follow-up. It's saying, um, it's, it's saying, do I have permission? Would you give me permission to hold up a loving mirror in your life? And especially if you're discipling somebody or you're just chatting with them, but you're developing a relationship, you can say, would it be okay, that thing you're telling me about, um, next week is it okay if I check in with you and see how it went? You're not, it's not always accountability to see what they did wrong. It's to see how it went. You know, it's to say, you know, you mentioned that you wanted to work out for this next month because you really felt like that would, that would be a help in your relationship with God, that you would have clearer thinking, you'd be able to focus. How's that going? Have you done that? Or you might say, you know, I've noticed that you, you keep mentioning that this is a priority to you, but I've noticed that in actual fact, that seems to be a priority to you. What do you think about that? And you just hand it back to them. You don't have to go, you know, as your discipler, I, you know, I mean, probably 10% of the time do I ever have to say, you know, as your discipler, I am really concerned about X or Y or Z. There's a time for that, but it's not, you know, you know, you need a, you need a pastor you know, 90% of the time you need a prophet 10% of the time. If you had a prophet for a pastor, I've had that before. Anybody ever had a prophet for a pastor? You're like, I know, I'm sorry, I did it wrong, I'll, I'll stop. You know? So you don't have to do it all the time. But just to say, hey, can I hold up a mirror? Can I let you see what I see? Because it's like they need a rear view mirror to see how it's really going. At least from your perspective. And then prayer. It's God's, it's God's secret weapon. It's God's gift that keeps on giving. Let's say that you, had a, you were having one-off conversations with somebody and they haven't really invited you in to their life as a discipler yet, but you're noticing something. 
but you don't really feel like you know them or you have the authority in their life to say anything. You have total authority to pray for them. I mean, not entirely, but they're, they're kind of a little bit helpless before your prayers. I mean, they're going to be influenced at least by them. So, um, and if you're, let's say you're meeting with someone for discipleship for a year or two or whatever, and then they, you part company or whatever, or maybe she's doing great and then she's not doing great, you can pray for her till the day you go to heaven. There's no limitation on it. You can do it anytime. Um, and there's two kinds of prayer I encourage you to do either in one-off conversations or in official discipleship. And that is pray with somebody and pray for somebody. There's two different kinds and they work differently. So to pray with somebody, um, I try when I meet with somebody for official discipleship times, I like to pray at the beginning and the end. Just briefly at the beginning, just go, Lord Jesus, we know you're here, but we want to officially invite you. <laughs> we want to, you know, offer you the seat at the table, the primary seat. Please tell us what you want us to know and speak to us. And then at the end, we just talk with Jesus about what we've talked with together. Um, but when you pray with somebody, have you ever noticed it goes deeper than this? Like if we're chatting, blah, 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 and I go, can we pray together? And when we're praying, you might go, and Lord, ouch. This, that you might say something so much deeper than you would say to me, because you're talking to the one who knows you best. You also get to hear their God conversation style with God. You know, like there's this one girl that I discipled. She had the sweetest, she has, she's not deceased, but she has the sweetest way of praying. She'll, she'll, it's just very simple, not a lot of big words, not a lot of complication. But then at the end, she'll say, I say these things in Jesus' name. It's so precious. It's so tender. And if I'd never prayed with her, I wouldn't know that tenderness that she has with God. And then when you get to pray for somebody else, it's like your mama bragging on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get to say, and Lord, I prayed this, and I see that in her, and pour this into her. It's, they get a different, it's like you're bragging to somebody. Like if your husband, you're out in public, and he says how great a cook you are, and you go, <laughs> or that he says how brilliant you are. It's one thing to say it privately, but to say it in front of your father is different. So prayer. Um, don't attempt discipleship without prayer. You will, you will bottom out because it's you, her, and Jesus having a conversation. If it's just you and her, it's like an, a car with no oil in the engine. Okay, so give them Jesus, authenticity, listening, learnability, modeling, accountability, and prayer. I encourage you. Oh, could you pass those out? I should have passed those out while we were talking about it. But So I have a little... It's sort of a bookmark or something you could put on your refrigerator. It just gives you that, those, that acronym and what they are. And um, it also has information about my book on the back if you want more information. So I encourage you, put this someplace you will see it. Um, your fridge, your bathroom mirror, wherever you normally would see it. And if, let's say you look at a couple of these and you, they're, they're the scary ones to you, the scary uglies. <laughs> then practice them. You might even say, okay, one week I'm going to practice giving them Jesus. You know, that's my focus in all my conversations. Maybe another week you say, this week I'm going to just focus on being authentic. If, or just pick the couple that are hard for you and practice them on purpose. Then when you have, you know, a discipleship opportunity or a God conversation opportunity, you're, you're ready. Um, now, just briefly before we, as we uh, round, round things up, I want to talk to you about how not to judge yourself after a God conversation. Because it's easy, you know, like you're, you ran across this friend and you see her all the time at church events or whatever, and she brought something up, and so you attempted some of these things, and then you kind of went, that was the most awkward thing I ever had experienced, you know, or, or you just don't know how it went. So don't judge your God conversations by how you're feeling afterwards. Sometimes your feelings will be accurate, but sometimes they won't be. Sometimes the best God conversation is when maybe you stretched or challenged her a little bit. She went away and thought about it, comes back to you later and says, you know, that really, that stuck with me. I couldn't stop thinking about it. But you at the time went, oh, I made her uncomfortable. I made her feel weird. No, you challenged her with truth. So that could be a great God conversation. So don't judge it by how you feel or whether they make you feel like you just gave them pearls from heaven. That's not the way to do it. Here's what you do judge it by. Did you invite God into it? If you did, check. 
That's wonderful. Did you listen with your heart to that person? One of the girls that I've discipled, um, she started discipling somebody last year, and I had never officially, at that time, wasn't teaching people the principles that I'm learning about how to teach them to be disciplers. And so I wasn't sure how she'd do. She did great. And the girl that she got had, had deep anxiety issues, though. And I thought, ooh. So one day I said, hey, Nicole, has it been hard for you discipling your first person and they have deep anxiety issues? And she stopped and she went, no, you know, I just let Jesus listen through me. And I just, I just almost started bawling because she listened with her heart and it made a big difference. Third thing to check with yourself about is, did you point her to Jesus at some point in the conversation in some way? And if you did those three things, baby, you did a great job. That was a good gaunt conversation. Another way of saying it is, were truth and love exchanged between you? Those are the things that need to be happening in those conversations. If truth and love were exchanged, great. That means a day when you stayed at home and did laundry and then did errands, if you had a couple God conversations with people along the way, that could be your best God conversation day of the week. You see what I mean? It's not the big, oh, 8,000 people. That's great, but the God conversation can happen anytime in any situation. They're a great way to dip your toe into the discipleship pond if you're new. You're like, ah, okay. You know, just try it a little bit. Two or three sentences with a person and go, you know, that wasn't so bad. I'll try a little bit longer next time. I'll do a little <coughs> bit deeper, a little bit wider next time. We're almost done. That's perfect. Thank you. So you'll also find that their miracle grow for your spiritual life. You know, I would never stop discipling people now because it's a part of my DNA. But the other reason I wouldn't is I want to grow. It's the very best way to grow. I, see, I grow so much faster, deeper, wider because I'm investing. And before you know it, God conversations will feel as natural as breathing. And they should be because that is how the kingdom of God works. That, that is breathing in the kingdom of God, being a disciple, making disciples. And pretty soon, they, making disciples will start supernaturally flowing through your life and you won't even realize it. I can't stop it. Sometimes I'll go, oh, doggone, I'm discipling her, aren't I? I didn't even mean to, you know? <laughs> Accidental discipleship. <laughs> um, as the scripture said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. That will be you. And soon, um, that's how you will feel. And it all starts with turning good conversations into God conversations. And you do it one simple, faith-filled step, one latte, one bit of conversation at a time. So I have put, as she, as Joanne had said, I put all this and more down in a book. It's called Discipleships. And we're going to practice one of the things in it right now. But basically, Discipleships is four conversations I would love to have with you. If I could take each of you out to coffee four times, this would be my dream. So the first conversation tells you, this is how I stumbled into it. Second conversation is the reasons why people don't. The third conversation is the back pocket basics and way more of like, how do you meet them? How do you set boundaries? How do you do it? How do you know when you're done? How do you, if it goes off in a ditch, <laughs> what do you do? And then the last conversation is mentoring milestones, which is basically conversation starters, anything from identity all the way to they can disciple. And there's a prayer at the end based on scripture. So if you have trouble, end on the prayer. So if you need to talk to me about that, they're back there. So what we're going to do now is we're going to practice the listening. So we can do about three minutes each, Kathy. So I want everybody to pair up. So everybody find a partner. If you don't have a partner, raise your hand. So, <laughs> so what we're going to do is this. Remember what I did with Joanne earlier? So um, what we're going to do is... One of you is going to go first and listen to the other person. So what you're going to do is you're going to ask them a question. You're going to ask them. If you, if you have a question you want to ask different, go ahead. But I'm giving you a sample question, which is, how's the conference going for you so far? Okay? And then you listen with your heart to what they say. Not just with your mind, but your heart. And then I want you to ask at least two follow-up questions. Okay? Pretty simple. But... Just practice, because people are not good at follow-up questions. And then people walk away going, they don't care about me. So I want you to practice it. So ask, how's the conference going for you so far? 
ask at least two follow-up questions until the timer goes off, and then after that we'll switch. So after, and when the timer rings, then you'll switch. Okay? Ready? Go. Okay. Anybody want to just one or two people? How'd it go? Great. Anybody want to share a specific? Yes. No. Did it did it help you to break the ice to ask the follow-up questions? Okay. Did anybody feel stuck? So we just have about five minutes or a little bit less. Um, does anybody have any questions that you're like, hey, what about this? Um, I'm enjoying all your content and information. And I'm I'm getting I'm taking away an impression that there's a lot of piece of it that is um, talking to another believer and helping disciple them into a deeper following of Christ. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you have any tips for also opening conversations for people that are not even in relationship yet with Jesus. Um, well, I'll tell you that is not I am that is not my gifting, but okay. I can give you some ideas. I think a lot of it is the same thing. Will What's going on? Question, oh, her question is: um, We're talking about helping believers go deeper with Christ, but what? How do you have to start a, God, a conversation, a God conversation, with somebody who doesn't know Jesus? And I would say it's kind of similar. Display an interest in their life. Let them know that you love them. Ask follow-up questions. And then just be authentic and say, hey, you know, it's really worked for me. You know, I just talked to the Lord about it. And, I, you know, this scripture really helped me. Or just let it be a little bit of a testimonial. Have a give-and-take conversation where they know you love them. And over time, then start gently introducing truth would be my suggestion. The same thing, like they don't care what you know until they know you care. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, this might be another session for you, but how do you enter into these disciples relationships? How do you how do you how do you figure out the who to start with, etc.? Okay, I, I figure out who's ready, kind of a thing, or who? You're going to start. Who? How? What? What is the determination? How do you figure out? Well, let's let's this lady and I let's go to coffee. How gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I um, use what I call, I've come to call my noticer skills, <laughs> and I just start paying attention. Who seems spiritually, you know, I'll just mention, I'll throw something up there, oh, you know, the Lord taught me this, or this is going on, or boy, that was hard. And then if you're authentic, they start talking, and then I just pay attention who sounds hungry and thirsty. Do I always bring up God, or do they? Um, when we talk about something one day, and then the next time they come back, did they do it? Even if I didn't give them an assignment, if they just said, hey, I'm going to do blah, blah, and then they don't. So I pay attention to who seems to be displaying some consistent desire to be a disciple. And then I'll just invite them for a one-off coffee. I never just jump in. One-off coffee, and we chat about deeper her life. And then I, I present the idea. But then I always say, let's pray about it for a week. Because people have looked mentor-ready, and oh, dear Lord, they weren't, you know? <laughs> so they pray about it for a week. I pray about it for a week. Sometimes after the, that week, they go, oh, you know, I'm too busy, or oh, blah, 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 blah. And you go, oh, good. So glad I didn't do that. But people ask me all the time, how do you find these people? And once you start noticing who's mentor-ready, who's showing interest, um, how do you miss them? They're, you could throw a, you know, a rock in any direction, and there's so many people. So I hope that helps. And part of what I do, I just pray. You know, oh, absolutely. That's the first thing. Yeah. Who do you, you want to lay on my heart? Yeah. And then what you call your notice, whatever, alert thing, I call that turning my radar on. Exactly. Exactly. And I also, I do the same thing. It's like, Laura, show me if there's somebody you want me to meet and, or connect with. Also, I wait till God gives me the green light because I might think it's a good idea, but I still say, Lord, yes or no. Because sometimes I'm just not ready for it at that time. So you wait for God to give you the green light. Um, I've done group stuff before, and I have great respect for it. For some reason, God has led me to do one-on-ones. He tends to bring me women who, like me, have a lot of creative you know, leanings, but they have some deep identity issues. So that's often done better one-on-one. But um, you can do it both ways. I encourage people, because so many of us have not been discipled, I encourage people to go through this with a group of peers and do that, and then that prepares you to do groups later or one-on-ones later. You know, to just it works either way. It just depends on what's your sweet spot. I'd say mm-hmm. some people are introverts or extroverts or 
whatever. Seems like a lot of mentoring just keeps going on. On and on and on. And yeah. No and I, I, I admit to you that that's the part I'm still learning a lot about because I tend to be like the mom who wants to keep them in the nest and I'm learning to kick them out faster. I think part of the boundaries too are having boundaries from the beginning. When you meet with them, you tell them this is our, this is my expectation. Yeah. Expectation. Yeah. That's exactly. Time, and I want you to do this with somebody else. Yeah. And if you think, I mean, it doesn't mean today, but if you're willing to go the route, if your words are loud in their ears, if they respect you enough to do those things. Yeah. And we have a covenant we're going to be sending out with an email to kind of give you some guidelines to make your own. Yeah. At the very beginning, I say, everything that I'm going to be investing in you, I want you to listen, not just with the ears for yourself. Listen, imagine yourself. You will be saying this to somebody else. You will be investing this. You listen in a different way when you know you're going to have to. Yes. So we're in right now, our church has just made this a big thing. This is, we're as new, well, we're maybe a few more steps ahead of y'all. And what we're seeing is they're wanting to. In my group, I have three women, and one of them has gone on to disciple through her community. Where she does like ten, teaching tennis and stuff. That's her discipleship ministry. Two of the other girls are raring to go. One of them is right here in the front row if you want to ask her. She's all ready for it. She knows. She's taking more notes than anybody. And they're all serving. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you, the fruit comes when they're serving in the church. They're actually, what you're pouring mm -hmm. out, they're going out. Yeah. So I know it's going to happen. Ask me next year because mm -hmm. I know it will. We'll have better answers. Mm -hmm. I also noticed there's a time in, at least when I'm doing the one-on-one -on -one process, when it shifts, like like we're doing a Bible study or whatever, and I'm sort of, you know, slightly leading the process. And over time, it'll shift, and she'll be like, no, 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 don't tell me. I want to, you know, you can tell. It's like the bird who's ready to jump out of the nest. You can tell they're like, this is a little uncomfortable. Don't give me so much instruction. You can tell when they're kind of wanting to jump out and lead you know, on their own. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it really depends. I mean, if you had a baby believer, I would totally recommend finding some a comprehensive curriculum. Dave Buring's um, Discipleship Journey is a great thing. It's a fill-in-the-blank, year-long, really amazing thing. So He's here with Lion Share. Yeah, he's here. So if it's a baby believer, I would recommend doing something like that. If they've been, a, I intend to get women who've been a believer like five years or so. They have a lot of the foundation, but they're, so I'm filling in holes. So I tend to go, we'll do a study for this. We'll do a practical thing for this. So I do that a little differently. Yeah. Also, this is a little bit of a curriculum, hint, hint. That's so great. She only has so many books here. And I would also recommend, pick a book in the Bible. Mark's a great one. Yes. On, that's so you know awesome. you're on the same foundational page. Because mm -hmm. when you do start talking about Jesus, You'll be surprised how many maybe you'll be like, oh, what Jesus are you talking about? Right. And now we're not on the same page. Yeah, so yeah, get your, get your terms. On that yeah. On sound off. Like I had one girl, when she said, you know, I said, what, do you, what, what are you sensing the Lord wants you to do in this season? She goes, I want to learn to ingest the words of Jesus. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we just read the Gospels together, mm. and it was amazing. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. That message was from Grace and Truth Living's track called women in disciple making. Download their free PDF giveaway that has 42 printable scripture memory cards at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. In addition to this podcast and that download, you'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.